This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and thank you for joining us on another Sky Blue Extra podcast, as ever in association with the Sky Blue Tavern and Dylan's Brewery. I'm joined today by Ross. How are you, Ross? Yeah, I'm all good, mate, especially after uh, after Friday night. It was nice. We seem to get given the good pods, me and you, don't we? We had a win yeah. last time and then we went on to another win, I think, after that, didn't we? And then, uh, did. Who was it? Yeah. I, I think it was, uh, was it Dave and or was it Dean and Dean and Andy last time, weren't it, that did the <laughs> did yeah, the preview of it? Of Ipswich, yeah. yeah. So I feel, I feel a bit for the others at the minute. We're getting given the uh, we're getting given the good ones, mate. So yeah, I don't think you're giving us enough credit, really. We should we should be taking some level of credit. I think we're putting a good case in for uh, for us being regular appointments on the pod at the minute. Because as you say, we've we've pretty much got a hundred percent record after the 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 last international break. I think. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely, mate. We ain't lost <laughs> since we've been on. So uh, I think we'll we check need the schedule take... soon when we're next back on. <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. The it'll be just as. <laughs> it would be it would be us two every week, won't it? Until we yeah, lose. Works, works for me. Works for me. Um, but yeah, we're going to pick up obviously today on that fantastic week on Friday night, as Ross mentioned, where City were able to pick up a two 0 victory over local rivals Birmingham City. We're also going to look forward to this week's clash with the Saints, um, where the Sky Blues will now be looking to make it four wins out of the last five. But we will jump into that game against Birmingham first of all. Um, Ross starting eleven. Obviously, a lot of calls during the week for a change, particularly up front. Um, a lot of people wanted to see a front three of Wright, Sims, and Sakamoto. Obviously, Robbins potentially had his hand forced on that front with the, the news of um, Matty Godden's wife going into labour, and obviously now they've got their new little boy, uh, Oliver, I think. So congratulations to, to the family with the new arrival there. Um, so yeah, maybe had his hand forced with it, but do you think that's something we could have expected to have seen anyway? Or, or do you actually think he probably would have stuck with Godden, obviously, if, um, if you know, things had have worked out slightly differently there? It's a controversial one for me, makes everyone that mm-hmm. has um, my opinions on, on Godden and they've probably seen them on Twitter. So, um, 
Yeah, I think, to be honest, I don't really know. I think um, Robbins likes Gordon, doesn't he? So it would have been interesting to have seen, obviously, if he didn't if he didn't have his baby boy born. I think he actually got the call, literally, didn't he, on when on the day of the match? So it yeah. wasn't even like it was the day before. It was pretty pretty yeah. sudden, I think, by the sounds of it. He just had to, had to pretty much go. He'd have been in the pre-match like, build-up and everything to it and probably been expecting to uh, to play. So, um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see. But I've been wanting Sims to have a little, to have a little go up front. I've been calling for it to for a few weeks um i'll never disrespect matty godden's goal scoring and what he's done for the club i think a lot of people sort of get when i say oh what does he do they they take it a bit out of context when i when i say what does he offer i know he can put the ball in and that obviously hence he's not really been doing it as much recently and he's obviously missed a few penalties this season etc but I'll never take away his, his ability to score goals and be in the right place at the right time. But in terms of what we need from our strikers this year and right. off the ball work, I think it's evidently more obvious that Godden has been more of a passenger this year because obviously he doesn't have Vic up front. Whereas last year, I was calling this out a year ago, but it wasn't as noticeable. And people were telling me basically to to shut up because Jokerez used to do a lot of the work and took a lot of took a lot of what God needed to do away from him in that in that sense of the game. Whereas this year, Hadji and Sims need a lot more, a lot more help in that aspect. So a lot more pressure is put on on Godden and it's noticeable, especially I think it was against Plymouth that I said that that Godden was a passenger in that game because he was like people can say yeah. oh he made runs and stuff and he did like whatever your opinion is I people said oh you must have not watched him I specifically watch Godden in games now just to prove when I say things I'm not just got saying to that it. level yeah it's got <laughs> to that level now where I watch what he does when he's not got the ball and, yeah. and it is it is obvious to me that he is in the latter stages of his career and this level that we're trying to get to is very very difficult so in terms of his actual build up play and what he offers us I don't actually think he offers us that much I think he'd be better as a 20 to 25 minute sub bringing on to sort of chase a game if we're losing because he can get us a goal and that's what he's good at and also what he's most effective of of, sorry and also if we're winning games to see it out because he does have that experience and people do say you know he does stuff off the ball which I agree with but when we're in a game or we're drawing a game and we need to score I don't think Gordon is, is is the answer at this stage of his career. And that's just my personal opinion on it. So, yeah, going back to obviously what you said, it would have been interesting to see. But I was glad that um, Sakamoto was put back in the team because mm. I think a lot of people are obviously disappointed, weren't they, a week ago that he, um, that he got dropped. Um, I was obviously... I was, I was surprised, but not surprised with Eccles because I know Robbins has been trying to give him a rest for a while. And I, I know he's needed a rest, so, but he's not necessarily dropped Eccles. Eccles is just probably on his feet because I don't think he's not, I don't mm. think he's missed a game the whole season, has he? So to yeah. go from August to Christmas pretty much without not without not playing a game. I think Robbins gonna, has got that mindset, yeah. hasn't he? He is somebody who will yeah. kind of just say after uh, so many games, in a row, you, have to. <laughs> you just need to have a rest, right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't think there was any call for Eccles in particular to, to to be dropped. You know, he has performed actually pretty well in the last few weeks, so it was surprising. But I think we all know Robbins has got that mindset where he will say, "Look, if you've played for a, a sustained period of time without any rest time." then you, you, you're going to need a game, you know, away from the team and kind of just, I guess, have that level of rotation there as well. Yeah, and I think he knew that we could beat Birmingham with legs and it was evidently obvious that we went for legs in that game rather than sort of a 
technical player, so to speak, trying to control the game. Because obviously I noticed when we were obviously attacking, it was the natural 4-3-3 with Hadji and Sakamoto out wide. But when we were defending, it was actually a 4-5-1. So Hadji was becoming like a deep left winger with Sakamoto yeah. doing the same. And then it was O'Hare, Allen and Sheaf as like a midfield three who were almost dropping in. It was just Sims, or basically Sims on his own up front. So um, it worked quite well in that game. Because I think Robbins knew from the players that they were sort of missing and what they were how they were confidence-wise, he knew that we were going to have a lot of space in the middle of the pitch. So having someone like O'Hare and Allen in those pockets of spaces were going to really be crucial for what we did in that game. And obviously it, it paid off because we found a lot of space in those areas. And ultimately it's where our pretty much both of our goals come from in in, in that yeah. aspect. So yeah, in going into the team, I, I expected it to be honest. I was just glad of Sims, but when Godham wasn't in the squad at first, I did think, oh, I don't know where he is. I thought, obviously, I hope he's not injured. He's our player. But then, obviously, to to hear that, obviously, he had a little boy is understandable. And like you said, I pass on congratulations to him and his his wife and his other little boy who have now got a got a little brother to add to the to the family. So congratulations to them as well. Team, as I think he said in his post, yeah. <laughs> getting, getting towards that five aside yeah. team. Yeah, so, yeah. a solid five aside team as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, you wouldn't mind him in the five aside team, I hope, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd score goals, mate. You'd take him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the game started, obviously, um, got fans, you know, quite excited, as we say, with that uh, particular starting lineup um, and those three up top. But if, if I was to pick out a period of time in the game where we possibly did struggle more than anywhere else, it, it might have been in those first 15 to 20 minutes. Um, do you feel the same? Is there any particular reason why you think that might have been the case? Do you think it was just settling in because we had a few changes or... What would you put that down to if you obviously agree it potentially was our, our kind of biggest struggle of the game? You know what? I'm going to be quite controversial here. I don't see what people meant by we struggled in the first 20 minutes. I didn't see a struggle throughout the whole game. I thought they did absolutely nothing. I mean, I watched a video on YouTube yesterday of some vlogger of theirs said, oh, we had loads of chances in 20 minutes. And the bloke I was actually sat next to at the game um, on, on Friday night we said before that save he made from the young lad in about the 90th minute, I think it was, he said to me, Collins could wear the same shirt next week. And he actually yeah. could have because they did nothing. I don't know where people seem to have got this idea. Like they had a bit of ball retention, but that's not dominating a game as we well if know. You were and, to, you know yeah. if, you take, if you take that game overall, it um, was, it, it's, it's a struggle to think of a period of time where they yeah, were. Where they, on top even. So yeah, I think they, if you were really trying to pick a period of time where maybe they were, it, it probably was, was the first 15 minutes. Just, yeah. I but as I, I completely agree with you, it certainly wasn't any level of domination or real clear-cut chances. One of the things, I mean, I, I picked up a couple of videos that I'd seen online where it was, um, you know, going back to rewatch Rooney's interview after the game or his interview on Sky um, after I, I got back home following the game. And the, the headlines of the the interviews was talking about, you know, we need to take our chances or we created the better chances. And I actually listened to the, watched the videos on the basis of kind of thinking, has he watched something different to what I've seen? Because I don't really think that they created chances. And in fairness, listening to him talk, he didn't really particularly say no, that he either. Yeah, he said, he you know, they kind of worked it into areas, but they seemed to snap at shots or take 
you know, shots from range versus trying to be patient, work it into better areas to get the ball into the box and kind of try and really exploit us. And I think that's fair to say. And if there was a period where that happened more than any other, it probably was that first 15 minutes where I did go back and rewatch the highlights and they have... They have probably a higher percentage of chances in that period of time, but they're not really good chances. I think there was one moment of slight panic where down the right-hand side, Stansfield got in behind. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, where can we kind of messed around with it a bit and he got the ball. And But the, ultimately the shot was pretty tame to Collins. And there was about three or four others where listening to what Rooney said, and I, I fully agreed with him, you know, they weren't patient. They kind of got it anywhere in and around the, the, the edge of the area and they were taking shots and it was either, you know, high, wide and handsome or, a really easy save for Collins. So, I mean, if you look at the shots, I think it's it's relatively similar in terms of the number of shots both sides had, and they had a few on target as well. But other than, I think you've mentioned the, the two that they had right towards the end of the game, none of them really were a particular threat. But I, I guess, yeah, it's just a case of it being a, a struggle to pick out any other period of the game where, you know, it felt like they had, they had even slightly towards... 50% of the run of the, the ball, to be honest with you. And I think that's maybe more than anything because the rest of the game, it did feel really quite straightforward, if if I'm being honest. Yeah, and I think going off what you just said as well, I think people said, oh, they had a good period. Rooney described it in the thing. They started brightly. <laughs> that's that's about as much as you can give them. You know, they started brightly, which they did. They come out. They've got four thousand fans. You'd expect them to do. They need to get. They need to get their foot on the ball. Basically, they know that. Like Rooney said, it's a hostile stadium. It technically, yes, us and Birmingham don't care about each other that much, but it's still a local derby. They're right next to yeah. us, so you're going to have a look. Away fans as yeah, well. it's it's twenty six to twenty seven thousand in there Friday night under the lights. You're going to want to start brightly. So I fully yeah. expected them to. To come out and and try and get a foothold in the game and that was that was it it was start brightly there was no Stansfield looked a bit of a problem you thought he might do a few things I think they had one little snapshot that um Colin saved um they had another one from um I think it was that I think it was Yoshi Miyoshi or something on the Yoshi, on the right hand yeah. side yeah he had a shot and that was about it but it wasn't people make it sound as if it was like I never ever felt in any danger from them within that mm. period and I'm I'm normally one to say oh we were on on the back foot and that and that whole game the only danger I actually had was us not putting them to bed and scoring a goal and then them nicking one because of that not because of the threat that they then offered on the counter attack or what they were doing there was no clear cut chances and it was more of a case of we were getting all this space in their midfield because I'll be honest I watched their team and they have got a lazy team like a very lazy team like we've been told oh right etc are all lazy but if you actually watch I think they highlighted it on Sky Sports afterwards players like Christian Bielik who were jogging on the pitch and it was his old teammate Troy Deeney who, who mentioned it as well like our fans are quick to get on certain players backs but that they were lazy if you want a lazy performances look at some of some of their team and what they were doing so yeah for me I I I personally think that they didn't have this spell that everyone speaks about and then in the second half they had no chances bar two sky shots from corners um and then they had that one one or two little ones from that bright lad that come on for them at the end when the game was pretty much dead and buried so to be honest it was pretty I I described them as the worst team I've seen us play all season at the at the CBS by country mile. They were worse than you, you. And I didn't expect it. I thought they'd come and give us a game, but 
they were the worst team that I've seen. Bar you like Plymouth gave a much better account for themselves than Birmingham did, and teams like that. So that by, for me, by far, they were the worst team I've seen up there. And I don't really see what anyone means when they cause us any issues. They just had a bright start for me. If um, well, that's fifteen first fifteen minutes, I guess. Yes, you know? but yeah. that's that's really trying to, I guess, pick it apart and suggest: is there anything you can look into and say maybe that was a difficult period? But you know, I, I tend to agree with you. Even though the fifteen minutes uh, to start the game possibly weren't our best, it wasn't particularly great from them. I, one thing I would say: I, this is a real poor indictment for for Rooney. Um, I know that sounds really obvious to say, but you just kind of like picking up on what you've mentioned there in terms of teams like Plymouth who've come to, to to the CBS and a few others and you kind of look at it on paper and say realistically Birmingham have got the better players but they were just so poorly set up I just don't think they were very smart and I think that's a large part of you know for us as Cov fans we probably have that fear at any stage whereby we might be dominant in a game but are we going to get the goal or are we going to hold on to it when we've got the goal are we going to get hit on the sucker punch from a ridiculous situation or whatever and it, it actually it was quite surprising how comfortable it did feel but they did in terms of their setup they've got you know they've got some players who i would say are decent players at championship level but it did feel a bit lethargic it felt a bit you know first half i i get the impression they're quite uh hopeful on stansfield as kind of their big outlet so they're playing this these kind of floated balls down the left hand side for them into stansfield and kind of like okay that's fine because he's you know maybe your, your biggest threat but you've got van uick playing on that side of the pitch in defense you know you, you can float balls in in or behind or think you're floating balls in behind but he's too quick you're not going to get in behind by just floating those balls in. And I know we've mentioned that one kind of half opportunity they got. To be honest, that was from, in my opinion, a mistake on Milan's front to allow that to happen um, rather than anything by design from from Birmingham. And he, he didn't allow it to happen again in the game. I was actually pretty pretty angry about that situation to start the game with, with how Milan hand, handled that situation. But I thought from there on in, um it was it was a really good performance and kind of picking up on the the sakamoto part as well it's got to be difficult now for robbins moving forward to to make a change with those two on that on that um right hand side can. yeah I don't, I don't think you can i i i tweeted it afterwards mve what a player because that's the only way i can describe him i i said to my dad when i come home after that game on friday i said i have not seen a better fullback in my 25 years of, of being a cop fan. Obviously, I started going up when I was about six or seven. So in my 20, 19, 20 years, I've been sort of going up and being a cop fan. I have never seen a fullback with his amount of ability. And he is the definition of what you would call a 1v1 dual monster. Like I don't think I've seen anyone take him on, even when you think they're past he'll get the ball somehow and he'll somehow recover and, and get, he, mm. he is like a mini version of Kyle Walker in that sense of he's just too, too quick for you yeah. to, to get past. People think they've done him and he'll yeah. suddenly recover and he'll do something with the ball to recover it. He is, he is yeah. a dual monster and we are so lucky that we have managed to get him as a fullback because he is so, so good. And his actual final in product play is now starting to get better. You can see he's getting more comfortable in that position. I actually think he's more comfortable as a fullback than he is a wingback as well, because he has someone down the wing he can rely on. I think the only thing we'll have to be mindful of sometimes is in certain games when teams double up, obviously Blues didn't, 
Sakamoto may have to swap wings with Haji because I feel like sometimes when I watch it, I think it was against um, Plymouth when we won 1-0. Obviously, Sakamoto is your main outlet, which can restrict um, Milan from going down the line. Whereas if you bring someone who naturally tucks in, it allows Milan to do what he did for the goal against Plymouth, if that makes sense. So I think sometimes, depending on the personnel you're playing against, you can you can adjust that and give sort of Hadji on the other side and because he naturally drifts in really, doesn't he, inside to pitch, which will then allow Milan to do sort of overlapping runs, whereas Sakamoto naturally always stays wide and hogs, hogs the touchline, doesn't he, and then tries to come in. So it can it can restrict Milan, but those two on that side in, in games well, I think like what that. worked now, well in this game, because he started, he always starts, sorry, Sakamoto, very much on the wing, sometimes off the pitch. Yeah, he yeah. Off the pitch and like to come in, so you're, you're 100% right. He likes to start out there, but you can see them developing between the two of them how that's going to work yeah because Sakamoto will start as far as he possibly can on the wing but he will now start to drive in a bit more to draw players in with him and then allow Vanuik to um to, to overlap once he's got the ball and he's moving forward and kind of where I was sat it was right down the line of that perfect line uh in the second half and it was it was a joy to watch to be really impressive to see um that understanding built between the two of them you know they um they, they just seem to have figured it out in my mind and i just it's going to be really difficult because also with a vanuick he has got that pace and as you mentioned that kind of carl walker feel in terms of his ability to recover and get back but there are going to be some times as well where it's going to be impossible because he's going to be on the byline and they might have you know booted the ball down the pitch but sakamoto is able to cover and provide that cover so that he's, I guess, maybe feeling a little bit more freedom to be able to push forward. I think and kind of not, not have that fear of what's going to happen if he does that. You know, I saw a couple of times where he had gone forward and we did lose the ball on the breakdown. It's kind of going the other way, and I'm kind of screaming at him to get back, but actually he knows Sakamoto's covering him, and it's 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 good to go. I think, yeah, I think the understanding as well is obviously Sakamoto's English has probably started to get a lot better as well, hasn't it? So I think that will help with communication. But I do agree. I've, I remember Robin said at the start of the season, obviously Tata took quite a while to get up to, to the physical side of this league. And I still think he is, but I'm watching him now sort of develop that side of his game really, really well. So I'm actually seeing him now be able to win sort of duels and actually become more of a, a defensive-minded player because he's starting to understand positions he needs to take up, where he needs to be, how to intercept passes. He's picking up the English side of the game, which I think in the first couple of months was taking to get to grips with. And with, this was what Robbins was saying. This second phase of the season we're now going into is going to be interesting because as these players start to, to develop, even obviously Hadji, I know he didn't have the greatest scoring games, but I'm noticing he's now starting to occupy in positions that he wasn't doing before. So they're starting to understand where they can affect on the pitch and how to do certain things and where they need to be when they're on and off the ball. Obviously, it's still not picture perfect and it's not going to be for for a while because they're still learning but you can see these these partnerships are now starting to develop and I think as Robin's rightly alluded to I think Callum O'Hare is obviously a big a big big um sort of personality that we can have within the squad and he's always sort of kept him around um the squad as well and you can see that 
him and Milan, I've always mentioned it since the summer, since obviously O'Hare wasn't playing, that you could see that those two looked like they got on. And I think yeah. it was evidently obvious with the celebrations that they both had on, on Friday that that's another partnership along with Tatsun O'Hare. I think Tatsun O'Hare will have a very, very good understanding of each other because they're both very... Uh, Sakamoto is obviously a bit quicker than O'Hare, but they're very agile, quick feet type of players who like to play in tight spaces. So the more that understanding comes, we know how difficult those type of players, especially in the championship, are to stop in and around the box. And whether you score a goal, win a corner or win a free kick, something happens in those situations because of how good the two of them are on the ball and how technically good you are. So you now add in the fact that you've got Milan down that side, Tat and O'Hare in a pocket, and then you've got Hadji coming in at the back stick. All of these things starting to add up and as they get more and more of an understanding, it starts to look a little bit more exciting than what it, it has been doing. And I saw a stat earlier on, um, that I think it was uh, Hadji's missed like 10 shots this season or 10 big chances, but... I know people slag him off for that because of the money and we've spoke about it on other podcasts before. But for me, he's he's getting in the right positions. And someone said it, he just still doesn't look confident. And I think the, the perfect example of what would give him confidence is the one where John Ruddy, it smacks him clean in the face. And if, if he mishits that, he probably scores. <laughs> as silly as that sounds, if he literally doesn't hit it as well and it goes in like the opposite corner, he puts that in and we're all singing Ale Ale Aji right and he's he's scored a third goal for us. You know, it's it, it's one of them, but at the minute he's not getting that rub of the green, but he's getting into the positions and he's getting the chances and he just needs to keep doing that and plugging away. And eventually it will pay off. And I think once we get a confident Hadji right, we'll have a lot more different conversations like we are do with Milan and uh, Takamoto and O'Hare and these type of players. Confidence is everything. And it's, it's there to see that Hadji doesn't have that. And it's the same with Sims, if you put it into that aspect. But once we see like we are doing with the other three players, that confidence come, I think it will it will all start to knit together, knits together quite nicely. And we, we will have a good footballing team that will will start to play with confidence and, and, and go at teams. So I mean I was going to ask you about right a little bit later on when we got into obviously some of those chances, but I'll 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 mention it now because it leads in quite nicely. I mean with with Hadji a friend at the game on on Friday night is saying quite similar things, you know. And I've heard I've heard quite a few times the whole confidence argument, getting a goal and and, and everything else. For me, I mean, I looked at um, I looked at that game on on Friday as another great example of what we're getting from from Hadji right at the minute. His ability to find space and allow himself and create opportunities for himself is quite impressive. That yeah. chance that you've Massively. talked about. It's a an unbelievable wall from Sakamoto, but it's it's fantastic movement by Hadji Wright. Massively, to like just pull himself away from that defender and kind of just one small little movement buys him all of that pace. Uh, pace it buys him all of that space. Um, the thing for me, and I, I, it was probably about four or five games ago. It was a away game on 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 Sky, and I remember the commentator described him as cumbersome, and I was like. You kind of hit the nail on the head with him, to be honest with you. And I think my point with with, with Hadji is, I think you know we can, we 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 make the argument about he needs a gold; it will give him that confidence. And but he has got goals; he's got five goals, and it hasn't really then led to a run of. So I kind of I'm not sure when it comes to this whole argument around just needs a bit more confidence or anything like that. I, I feel like, and I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. I feel like there are changes 
to whatever extent he can actually do this changes to his game that he needs to make look at watching him play because it does look a bit like cumbersome is the perfect word it looks awkward it looks a bit it just looks a bit difficult for him to be honest with you when you get him in those situations where you know you we, I'm, you can get very misled by youtube clips right we all do it we sign a player maybe don't haven't seen as much of him because he's not come from the english leagues and you go straight to youtube and you watch a video and it's obviously a five minute compilation of all their best minutes and we're watching these videos of him in turkey bursting away from the defence from 40 yards out, blasting shots in. And and then he did that almost in the first game against Leicester where he hit the bar and it was obviously, was actually a really good save. And you're thinking, here we go, we're on to a winner. And now we've got to a point where in this game, it was about three or four times where he was able to get the ball in space about 40, 45 yards out just inside their area. And I'll be honest, I felt like this isn't going to come to anything because I just don't think I don't think he's adapted to how the game might be different over here to where it would be in Turkey you know I think it's just probably a lot more of a tighter league in terms of who you're going to come up against and your ability to just run straight through isn't going to be there even comparing the championship to the Turkish top division I don't think you're going to have naturally the same level of opportunities and I think he maybe I don't know naively didn't expect or understand that as much I just think when you see him in and around the box it all looks a little bit more difficult than it needs to be but in terms of the positives with, with Haji as we say physically he's got everything you you're going to want in a striker um, and he is creating space for himself so you can't ignore the chances that he is creating but I, I personally feel like we need to see just progression in his game. We need to see some changes in his game. I like, I compare it to Ellis Sims. I kind of look at Ellis Sims and I go the other way with Ellis Sims. I kind of feel like he might be a situation where you say, get him a goal or two and he could be off to the races. I know he's had a couple of goals in, in obviously that one game, but again, it was one game and then he didn't really get the run after that. I feel like if he was to get a run and potentially get a goal, he, he is still quite a young striker. I still feel like naturally, you could see development in his game and confidence and everything else. But I don't know. I, I just feel with Wright, that whole conversation around purely a goal to get him confidence, I feel like there is a need to also make adjustments to his game as well. Because it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel easy. It feel it feels quite difficult. I mean, look, I'll ask you the question. You know, he, he obviously had a few chances again in this game. How confident were you when he was when he was in those situations? Do you know what I mean? The, the biggest problem that he has, right, is you have to factor in as well, is obviously O'Hare, I mean, I've said he didn't look fit, but obviously in that game Friday, he looked a lot fitter than he had done. I thought he still gave away a few stray passes, O'Hare. He wasn't, I know he got man of the match and he scored two goals, but for me, he wasn't ecstatically good the whole game, if that makes sense. He just had a really good performance for him and confidence and fitness-wise, it was really, really good for O'Hare. And his finishing looked a lot better. Like I always used to criticise O'Hare and say he kicked it like a two-year-old in front of goal because he did years ago, didn't he? He'd get the ball and it would just be a trickle back to the goalie, He'd do all the good work, and then it would be a trickle for years. We saw it, but he scored two. The first one was a smart finish with the toe poke. Yeah, it was, yeah. And the second one, I thought, it was a bit like Hamer away at Middlesbrough, you know, when you thought, oh, yeah. no, he's done too much. It's and gone, suddenly yeah. wriggled through and he smashed yeah. it in the back of the net. So that side of his game was, yeah. was nice to see, you know, and I'm pleased for him. But having someone like 
O'Hare who understands positions of where to be on the football pitch and how to work space is going to really benefit someone like Hadji in terms of he's worked with, you got to remember, he's played with Jokerez before. And Jokerez would have took positions up or certain places, which O'Hare is now going to say to Hadji, when I was with Vic, we used to do X, Y, Z. Obviously, I know we're not, you're not the same, but we used to look for this pass in this position. Can we start to, and they're going to work on these things in training. And Hadji is going to have a lot more joy now we've got number 10s in Palmer and O'Hare that are back ultimately because before we've not actually we had Palmer for what the first month of the season probably and he was out since probably I think the Sunderland game wasn't it or something like that or was it just no the Norwich game I think was the last game Palmer might have played in at the back end of September I think or something like that we've not had Palmer for for months now really so you've now got him in the mix and you've got Hadji uh, sorry O'Hare who are now going to be able to play with Hadji and I think that is what he's missed because we're ultimately giving him the ball in areas and just expecting him to always beat people. And like you just alluded to a minute ago, I was speaking to someone about this on um, on Friday. There was these blokes behind me and they said, oh, he's just lightweight. He doesn't know how to use his body. He's this and that. And I turned around to them. And I said, do you want me to tell you that? And they, in the end, they agreed with me. And I said, do you want me to tell you the biggest problem with, with Hadji that you've got? He doesn't know how to use his body in this division mm. yet. He's struggling with it massively in terms of, yeah. I'll give you an example. The first half, he got the ball and he was running with it and he was beating Bakuna for pace by mile. But Bakuna started to gradually catch up. But had he almost like slowed down and almost like tried to out-muscle him, but Bakuna ended up sort of like basically cleverly fouling him so that it wasn't a foul and Hadji fell over and I used this example to these blokes behind me and I said now Jokerez in that position what would he have done body across the defender free kick I said Hadji just hasn't learned that yet which is what he will be developing yeah, I think, when, I he think start, that's point. Yeah. when he starts to pick it up he's yeah. going to become a really good player for us in that position I give it say end of this season or the back end of this season maybe even next season he gets in that position and instead of falling over because of a push, he'll just put his body in front of Bakuna, foul, we win a free kick. And it's those little things that are going to help him massively. Another example is, where, like you said, when um, John Ruddy, he obviously got the ball. I noticed with him that when he got it to his feet, he kind of slowed down, if that makes sense, because he felt like he needed to have it completely under control. Whereas yeah. a confident player would have took that touch and it would have been bang straight in towards Bakuna and put him on his back foot. Whereas Hadji, because he's not still got that full confidence of where he is and what he's doing, he has to get it completely under control before he starts yeah. doing it. And then obviously he beat Bakuna, but it was quite lucky, wasn't it? It was like a little bit yeah. of a. a well, by the time he's beaten him, the yeah. keeper's out. That's the what out. the amount yeah. of time that it's taken to get in that position. Yeah. Yeah, that's Boston scoring because it did. It, it's kind of, I guess, one of those subconscious things. But when he got the ball in that area, it felt like maybe we're like subconsciously thinking of Vic because in that situation, it is a goal, right? It's quick. Yeah, it's done. It's, it's like, and, all- and Victor Gokrez is no quicker than Hadji Wright as a human being, but it's intelligence. It's away, gone and bang, get the finish straight away. Don't have and, to be perfectly settled and, and everything And else. like you said, it, I think at the moment he's he's kicking himself as well because you can see at the end of the games, Fads yeah. is going up to him and talking to him and I could see him and he was pointing to that position he was in and he, yeah. he's basically getting annoyed 
annoyed with himself because he's thinking, why is this not working? Because all my career, I've been in those positions and it's been one touch goal and I've shot and it's been effective. But here, it's not working for him at the moment. I think that's why I think that's why he's getting frustrated at the moment is because he's not he's not doing what he knows he can do. And you said a minute ago, oh, you know, we looked at YouTube clips of him, but. I don't even watch YouTube clips. Just watch what Kov posted him in training and watch yeah. the way he strikes a ball and the way he finishes chances. It's blatantly obvious the bloke can score a goal. <laughs> they're in training and he literally gets it out of his feet, bang, finished. And they're all going, great, finish, Hadji. He can score goals. It's just in a game, it's a totally different scenario. And he's not learned how to use his body yet. And he's not learned what to do in certain scenarios. But with O'Hare coming back, with Sakamoto having confidence, with Milan having confidence, with all of these things factoring in, hopefully we'll recruit in January, all of these things are going to help Hadji massively because you spoke about Leicester away. Now, if you remember rightly, his first passing behind when he come on was by a certain individual who played for us in that Leicester game who no longer plays for us under the name of Gustavo Hamer. So that pass that he got played to him is Premier League quality passing. Since then, we have not had that player. So it would be interesting to see if we recruit in January with all of the players we've currently got in, a player who can actually pass or that type of capability, what can then lead to Hadji and what positions he can find himself in? Because I'm not saying he's going to score... 25 goals but I seriously think we'd have a much better player who I think would start to not just get goals but also assists for us because he'd get into positions and have the confidence you know to knock it across goal or pull it back for someone and he ultimately is a handful but at the moment I do I do feel for him because I can just see that he's just really really just yeah, I mean, I, self, I, if that makes sense he's just I, he's I, just I certainly don't doubt that he will be putting the work in I think I I, you know, I think the point for me is it's, it's what you've said. It's about making those subtle but realistic changes to himself as a footballer to adapt to, you know, the league that he's playing in, the team that yeah, he's definitely. playing for. And I can certainly see that, you know, happening or being possible to happen, right? You know, there's certain things you look at a player and you think they need to make changes in a way that just they're not going to happen. That's not going to be possible for them to do. It's just too late in their career or they're too ingrained a certain way or they don't physically have the ability to do it versus no, they're, they're very much realistic changes for him to be able to make. But I guess my point is I've heard, I have heard a few times people would say it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of that cliche. Oh, he just needs one ear and it will get him going and this, that and the other. I'm like, I don't think it's about him just getting a goal and going on a run and getting the confidence and everything else. Look, I'm more than happy when I see him on the score sheet, obviously, because it he's going to build his confidence. That's never going to be a bad thing, but I don't, at the same time, you know, if he gets, let's say a couple of goals the next game, I don't want it to distract away from the fact of, there are still definite progressions that need to be made, changes to the game, how you use your body. There was a couple of examples in the first half and I was tearing my hair out where yeah, he's waiting for the ball to come to him and he's trying to block off the defender. And yeah. it's like he, he isn't he isn't there, even though he's physically 
should be capable by the by the look of him and the build of he, him and everything else. He doesn't he expect it to be as quick as well. I don't think he expects someone because in Turkey, obviously, it's still a, a competitive league, mm. but someone might not come through the back of him. Whereas in this division, mm. it's like bang, it's instant. So it's he's expecting to, to, to yeah, he's not yeah, he's expecting to use his body for it to come. But by the mm. time he's done that, someone and people then start going, oh, he's lazy and stuff. He's not lazy. It's just that no. he's not used to this level yet. But once he starts to do that yeah. that's when we're going to go right there's a player because when he does drive with it sometimes I do think oh go on then what's he going to do with it and also I've noticed he gets the ball and something will happen and he'll be in front of goal and I'm thinking just shoot and he's never had that opportunity to get to the edge of the box and just pull the trigger yet. I never, yeah. ever get the chance to see, you know, it just opens up and he can just completely, I know he had one on um, in the second half on Friday, but it was like a snapshot that just went across the, the goal and we were already winning, but he's not had that one where he can cut inside and try and bend it or hit it across the goal. He's not had that yet. And ultimately I just don't think it's opened up for him at the minute as well as it could have. And like you said, people have said, oh, he scored goals. But I think with him, he ultimately needs to go on like a run of games. So instead of scoring two in one game and or one in one and then not scoring for a few, he needs to get like one one goal in like three or four consecutive games and them to try and be different kind of goals. Because the moment he does that, I think that's when you start to see more confidence in him. I'd rather him, instead of getting two or three in one game and then not scoring for another, would rather him just get Hadji right goal, Hadji right goal, Hadji right goal for three or four consecutive games of where he's scoring, scoring, scoring. And then I think you'll start to see, you're not going to score every single week, but he'll have that confidence in him then to, you know, he'll think, right, actually, I'll do this in certain situations. And when you get more confident, you start to try and do things and things ultimately do pay off for you as well. And at the minute, I just see it and it's not ultimately paying off for him because the John Ruddy one is a classic example. If that is Connor Chaplin for Ipswich, that ripples the back of it and it's 3-0. I mean, it's not the finish in that situation, is it? Yeah, because, it's, it's the know, look. By the time... <laughs> it, it, by the time the actual chance is there. Yeah, I think the moment he's going to strike it, Rudy's had the opportunity to come out. Yeah. Because that angle, you know, you're going to struggle there. It's what you do before that situation happens to be able to take the yeah, opportunity. Definitely. So he's done, like I say, that, you know, you see examples like that where you say, actually, it's it's his movement plus a fantastic ball from Sakamoto, which has opened up the opportunity. The next step is how do you take that situation on? You know, when he kind of gets a little bit of space, how do you drive that ball forward and with confidence and and, and I guess with the confidence in yourself to make the right decision, whether that's slip a ball into somebody or take it on and have a shot or, you know, just just do the right thing in those situations. But um, I think what helps, obviously, is when you're in a period where, as we say, it's four wins in five now, um, the team are winning despite, you know, and, and obviously he scored in that period as well, which is great. So you're chipping in with goals, maybe not still as many as the number of chances you're getting warrants, but you're chipping in plus the team are winning. It's going to create more patience in the fan base because you are, you know, the record um, transfer fee signing for the for the club in our history. There isn't going to be a lot of patience in general, but yeah. as long as the team are winning and we're getting results, it generally brings a lot more patience alongside it. So yes. um, he's going to get those opportunities still, obviously, at £8 million. He's, he's obviously going to continue to get a runner time in, in the team. Well, he he normally likes to choose to, to warrant that as well. He, he normally likes to choose their Wednesday night game at home. Doesn't need to score a goal, <laughs> so hopefully he can bag one on uh, on Wednesday against Southampton. Obviously leading into that game, but yeah, it will be a 
it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But I'm uh, I'm 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 hopeful for him. I'm not saying he's Jokeresque yeah. replay. He's not a Jokeres replacement, but is he a player that obviously has quality? He is, but is he lacking confidence? Yeah, ultimately at the moment. But hopefully that will uh, that will change now. We've got a lot of personnel back in the team. And obviously the team is ultimately winning before he was playing in a low-confidence team. But now yeah. they're starting to gel and we're picking up results, etc. Like, I know the league's open, but we are only five points off the playoffs. So at this stage, anything can anything can happen. And we obviously don't look like a relegation team, do we? Everyone has said no. that, you know, we, we play good stuff and we do a lot. We've got a good team. I think it was Gary Rowett who was only manager three or four weeks ago in this division said Coventry are in a completely false position because they're a very good outfit in this in this league and and Robin said you at the end in his interview he said you know Gary you'll know as, as well as I do when you put a new team together how quickly it can turn over but how long it takes for it to gel and, and they both agreed and he said it is just ultimately a, a false position at the moment so it'll be interesting to to see what happens as we go along now going into a period where we've got no international breaks as well you know we've got loads of games thick and fast coming and coming and coming so he'll have to pick up confidence quickly over that period of time and and, and, we'll, and we'll see where it takes us ultimately and this is a period of time where that strength in depth which we believe we have more now than you know we would have done in recent years is going to be important because as you say very congested uh fixture list a lot of games in December. i think something like seven or eight games in it across the month as a whole um that's where you're going to need that that strength in depth to obviously you know show its um its ability to to come into the side and you know have somebody like Eccles come out of the side who's performed well in recent weeks but still feel fairly confident um, that the levels aren't going to drop and you yeah. kind of feel like most areas of the pitch we could afford to lose maybe one player in in that area who even might be quite a pivotal player but we can bring somebody in who's not too dissimilar a level and that's I guess to an extent we were, we were very fortunate in terms of the second half of last season with the fact of some of those massively important players you think the likes of Doyle and Hamer and Jokeres, for example, going through the spine of the team, you know, they didn't really miss any game time in that second half of the season. Um, because I think if they did, even one of them for a, a small period of time, it, it could have been a very different equation because we just wouldn't have had the same level of player to to come in and play and replace them. Yeah, definitely, like you said, and with we are at a crucial crucial stage now and ultimately it is good that all of our players are back for this period because although it was frustrating earlier in the season, I can guarantee you if we'd have had them earlier on but we're missing them now, we'd all be moaning. So it's definitely a much better time to have your squad fully fit when you're literally now going to be playing what? Friday, Wednesday, Saturday, then obviously you've got another break Saturday, Um which is obviously then that Sunderland game. Um, and then you've got a couple of games within that period, then thick and fast leading to Boxing Day. Then you've got one a few days later on, on the, on the I think it's the Thursday or the Friday against Swansea. Then you've got Middlesbrough New Year's Day. Then it builds and builds. You know, you've got all of these games and it's the January transfer windows open. So it, it comes around so, so quickly, doesn't it? It was only a few months ago we were all saying, oh, we need January as centre midfielder. And now suddenly it's literally, by the time Christmas is done, the January transfer window is pretty much basically open isn't it so yeah. um it will be 
it will be interesting to see what we can do with a fully fit team. And I just think we need to just pick up as much. I mean, if we can if we can get a result Wednesday against Southampton and pick something up, I think going into that Leeds game, it will be um an almost like a free hit, another Ipswich game, really, where if we lose, we don't want to go there and get murdered because I'm going as well. So I don't really want to see us go and get murdered away at Leeds. But it would be good to see us put up a fight there and even if we lose 2-1 as an example have another good and, and we know that we've been to two of the top teams in the division and mm. given them a good run for their money so it, it it will be interesting to see where we end up but I am I am looking forward to the schedule and I think we can we can take it to Southampton on Wednesday night I really do I think if we get in their faces and give them a good account of ourselves and the crowd get behind them and we have an atmosphere like we did Friday. I think we can make it a really hostile in, environment for them and give them a give them a good game and hopefully pick up some points. And before we put the Birmingham game to bed, it would be uh unfair of us not to mention the the back line and in particular those three kind of central figures, I guess, in terms of um the, the the goalkeeper and um his two centre halves as well, you know, keeping another clean sheet. They're obviously very familiar with each other and it, it kind of is reflective of that in the games you watch Collins Thomas and Kitchen at this point the the relationship the understand, uh, understanding between them just seems to have hit a really high level whereby we've been able to obviously reduce the number of players that we have in that area of the pitch but look a lot more uh, confident and comfortable and again we're talking about Birmingham not being a, a particularly great threat but anything that came into the box it I don't know about you, but it just felt so confident that it was it was going away. You know, corners, anything can happen from a corner, right? Whether it's Birmingham or Leicester or whoever in this league, anything can happen for a corner or a couple of dangerous free kicks in wide positions or, you know, bursts in behind the line uh, on a couple of occasions where they got into good positions. But it just feels like a lot of the time now, those balls coming into the box, they're just getting dealt with and you've got that confidence. Yeah, the, I mean, Bobby Thomas is a good player and it's there to see, but I still, he still annoys me at times. He still does a few things that I'm a bit like, oh, come on, Bobby, you need to switch on a bit there. Or it's going to cost us a goal, but ultimately that is going to come. But they do, they do ultimately. I'm, I mean, I've, everyone said, oh, why did we spend four million on Leon Kitchen? But I think it's there for everyone to see why we spent the money on him because he's a very, very good defender and a very, very good footballer. And also when he does have the ball at his feet, he's very, very comfortable to play passes and and progress the ball forwards with it. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same with, with Brad Collins. And people talk about Collins and they said, oh, well, Ben Wilson's a great goalie, but I'm Sorry, for me, everyone knows, again, my opinion on Ben Wilson. I think he's a number two goalie. Our second goal, um, I think, yeah, it was. It was our second goal comes from Brad Collins actually getting the ball from a corner and throwing it out. He literally gets it and his first thing to do is, right, bang. And it's a, it's not a bad throw. It's straight to someone's feet and it's fizzed at them so we can counter-attack. Whereas on, in that situation, we've all watched Ben Wilson in goal all last season and a bit of this season. He catches that and then he just stands there with it. And then ultimately he'll throw it out or roll it out and we carry on playing. We don't score in that position for me if it's Ben Wilson in goal because I don't think he has the ability or the vision as, as Brad Collins does ultimately to throw that ball out wide and to see a counter-attack from it. I think he calms it down and then he kicks it up the pitch or rolls it out to the to the centre half ultimately so a big shout out to him as well as he's only conceded two goals really in the games he's he's played and they were ultimately against Ipswich and obviously one of them was a poor goal but the second one is 
an out of this world goal that three goalies wouldn't have saved. So he's realistically only conceded one goal in all the games he's played. And it was a poor goal granted, but it's not a bad record to have when you're coming in for the championship um, sort of clean sheet king last year. And all the Cov fans obviously do like Wilson because of his his personality. So yeah, I, I agree. A big shout out has to go out to them three and they're looking more and more comfortable and solid with each other as it as it goes along and they're getting a, an understanding with the rest of the rest of the team as well. And I think it's only only beneficial for us moving forward. So yeah, big shout out to them. And obviously a few names that we could possibly put into the um put into the hat for this one, but anybody stands out for you with the man of the match? Obviously O'Hare got it for his two goals in particular. Get a feeling you might want to throw a couple of the names in there, but are you going to go for O'Hare or anybody else just pip him to it? Yeah, I mean, Tats was good again, wasn't he? He's just, yeah. he, he, he is just so good, isn't he? I mean, yeah. for me, it would have been out of Tats and Milan um, who would who would have got it because I thought Milan was really good again as well. And I just think him as a person and his passion and the stuff he does at the end of the games, I just think it's absolutely class. I just, it's, I just it's love- important as well because yeah, like, you, made, you kind of made a, a point earlier, which does stand out for me and I'd mentioned it in a pod a few weeks ago when it you know times weren't as good and you kind of felt like ah, we built up such a good connection between the the club as in the the management the players and the fans and it felt like something that hadn't been the case for you know a long yeah. time beforehand and then you kind of felt as though we'd lost a few of those characters who were quite pivotal in that obviously Jokeres and Hamer being the the key ones but possibly a few more as well who were popular um but um maybe not obviously as important when it comes to the playing side of things so <clears throat> you mentioned obviously earlier about O'Hare coming back he's important from that perspective as well obviously we need him to be important from a playing perspective to get in the side but um that's a nice bonus right that connection with the fans and and he can kind of I guess facilitate that connection between the fans and the new crop of players coming in and talked about that relationship with Milan um, and O'Hare being obviously good from that perspective but obviously Milan doesn't look like he needs too much help on that front himself although I think he he got pushed into doing the whole um, yeah I think that's something Dean Dean mentioned it I think there's some sort of like thing going on isn't there where he gets fined if he does it because Thomas (laughs) Thomas come off in the unseen bits and he in his Liverpool accent he went oh that's another (laughs) fine for him or something like that so I think it's a fine I think they've got some sort of like joke that I bet he can't resist doing it with the fans at the end of the game he got pushed into it didn't he yeah Yeah, he did literally I can't remember it it was Fads or someone pushed him over no it was um, there was Palmer Eccles Latte and Ayari were all with him and Palmer was going go on do it and they were all saying like Eccles and Latte they were going go on go and do it go and do it and he was going no and then in the end he gave in yeah 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 and he was going around and he did it loads of times I mean he even did it um, when he walked round into block um, like near to like 29 28 and 27 he even did it round by by that bit to those fans there as well he's just he's just such a good character to have and I just love players like that and I just think he just likes someone said he, he just gets it doesn't he and he knows Robbins will have said to him if you come here you're going to love the fans because they are the perfect type of fans that you were going to want to play for and he knows what we offer and you can hear it in the game they oh Milan Vane you know people are singing they that did it. I got annoyed because they did it in that incident in the first five minutes or so where they got in with Stansfield off the back of his mistake and the <laughs> song comes out afterwards I'm thinking 
I mean, am I the only one who's that was a clear mistake from him? But I will go on to say he, he didn't really put a foot wrong for the eighty minute, eighty five minutes that followed that that incident in itself. So yeah, is it, it, is it Millen you, you're going for? Is he getting the nod? Oh, it's a difficult one, mate. But I think I'm going to have to give it to Cal just because yeah. I know what he's been through for the past year, and I put a tweet out. Um, against Dips, which surprised that he was in the team. And ultimately, I think a few people got touchy about it, like to say, oh, but I wasn't saying it in that way. I was saying I was surprised because of he still isn't match fit. But ultimately, I understood Robbins could have put him in that game because obviously it's an intense game. And ultimately, if he flags, it's going to be good for him, though, because not every game you're going to play is going to be as intense as Leicester, Ipswich and and Leeds are compared to other teams in that division. So it's going to help him fitness-wise. So I'm just so pleased for the guy that he managed to come back and he had... I know he's had a we've had O'Air bout, we've got O'Air, sorry, bouted out before since he's come back, but that was like a proper rendition uh, of it. Really, wasn't it? It was, a, yeah. uh, it, was a, it was the one where the whole ground was singing it because you've just put in two yeah. great finishes and won us the game. And you, you've basically shown us who, who the man is, really. You know, you've basically, basically, he's basically come back to the fans and said, I'm back, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm here. Don't forget about me type of thing. Don't go sleeping on me. And he made that known with his, with his celebrations. I like the second one a lot because even after he'd finished it all he did that big massive scream of yeah didn't he or come on which was I think like someone said described it as a year of frustration of being sat in the gym not playing and doing anything and Robbins actually said in his post-match interview and I'd love this as well I thought it was class he said um the boy just loves playing football he said he still goes and plays footy with his dad in the park you know, and that just shows you how much, like, you know, sometimes we go, oh, how detrimental it is. And some players, they they do like playing football and love it. But others more that he loves playing football, ultimately. Yeah. Kind of, hey, he's always if said he it. Playing like, Sunday league, yeah, right, he would he be playing, yeah, if he wasn't a pro, he just loves playing football. So the fact he still plays with his dad, you can imagine how hard that must have been for him mentally. And in that period, he's seen us get a kick away from the Prem. He's had to be there on the pitch, knowing that he wasn't actually a massive part of it that year considering everything else he'd done in the years before. So he's not had the best of times mentally. And I think just just for him to have that that moment and to have the elevation and the feeling he has, he can seriously start to kick on now over this Christmas period because he's not just back in the team. He's now put a stamp on the team. And for someone like Palmer, you've got to be worried because you've got to be thinking that before the game, oh, O'Hare's only just come back from injury like me, etc. But He's ultimately just scored, got two goals. And who's to say he might not have a great game on Wednesday, get another goal and assist. And for me, if he starts to do that, your Palmers are going to struggle to get back in in the team ultimately. So um, that's only good news, really, because it's creating healthy competition that he's he's also back as well. And he is an important player for us. He does help us press and he's good in tight spaces and he seems to improve his shooting and he's a personality on the pitch. And you can see even when he scores, he's coming back and he's speaking to players and he's saying, Hadji, Hadji, you know, and he's talking to him saying, and he's just, he's just got that aura about him on the pitch that I like. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Cal, mate. I just think he, he deserves it ultimately for his moments. So yeah, O'Hare for me. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And a big week coming up for the Sky Blues. So just time for us to touch on the upcoming game this week against Southampton at the CBS Arena this coming Wednesday um, before they host Leeds next, or they travel, sorry, to Leeds next weekend. Um, We will have our usual match day preview ahead of that Leeds game, but we're going to have a look at that Southampton game in a little bit of detail just to finish off tonight's pod. Um, Russell Martin's side come into the game unbeaten in their last 12, dating back as far as last September. Uh, and they've picked up eight wins in those 12 games, just four draws and no losses. There will, however, obviously be some frustration for Southampton after they were denied another victory this past weekend at Watford, thanks to a 96th minute equaliser, um, which obviously is, is going to be a massive frustration for them as they're looking to keep pace with the top two at the, the, the top end of the division. There's already a bit of a gap starting to form there if they are still obviously hopeful of getting into those top two automatic promotion places. So, um, Ross, we'll have a, look, a little look at Southampton. Uh, it's probably a bit of a silly question, but are there any players in particular who stand out above um, above their, their standard across the squad? Yeah, they're, they're a strong team at the start of the season. Obviously, I know they've lost a few players and stuff over the summer. I actually put them in sort of my top two, really, with Leicester. I actually put them above Leeds. I put Leicester and Southampton to be first and second. So, obviously, I'm not far off because they're like they're around fourth, I think, aren't they? Yeah, so, fourth, yeah. um, they're still a very good team in the division. But, you know, they've got they've got Kyle Paul Walker-Peters, who's a very good footballer at this level. Um, Joe Aribo, obviously, formerly of Rangers, very good central midfield player. Stuart Armstrong, as, as we all well know, who can strike a ball like he did against us in the FA Cup yeah. two years ago. Very good player. Um, Ryan Manning, another one that we would we spoke about over the summer, didn't we really? As we could yeah. we go in for him as Swansea got rid of him. He's a very established sort of fullback wing back at this sort of level. Um, good player. Um, Taylor Harwood Bellis was at Burnley last year, played through Man City's ranks, very good footballer, um, England's Euros winner as well, I think with the 21s, wasn't he? So he's a very good footballer. You've got then up front, Shea Adams, Alcaraz, Adam Armstrong, who we're all familiar with. Um, you know, they've got Ryan Fraser, Will Smallbone, that Edozi. They've got, I think that that's without even a couple of players that they've still got missing. So it's fairly, fairly obvious that they've got... Um, They've got quality throughout their team and they ultimately going forwards, they're going to cause us a lot of problems. But I don't think defensively they are immaculate, so to speak, and are going to be able to, you know, restrict us to the bare minimum. I think they're going to come at us. They're going to play very open football, as we know Russell Martin likes to do, and they're going to try and attack us. And we've got to use our threats to that advantage and we've got to seriously be on our game defensively and work hard but ultimately we have to be ruthless when we get the ball if we get chances or a chance we have to take that chance we cannot look back and go oh well if we'd have just put those two or three clear-cut chances we had away it would have been I don't want that to be that type of game I want it to be if we lose 
say, 3-2, and we've took our two chances, but they just score three very good goals against us. Ultimately, we walk away and say, they've got Premier League players and they're capable of doing that. I don't want to walk away and go, right, we've lost 1-0 or something like that, but we've just not took our chances. So we would have won if we did. It's that, that for me, will just be another frustration because it will just be a really moment. We're just going through this process again. It has to be, if they win, they deserve to win because they have literally played very, very well and scored very good goals against us. Not that we've gifted them goals or not took our chances, which is to why they've won the game. So, of course, mate, they're going to they're gonna pose us a lot of threat and they're going to cause us a lot of problems but I think they know more than than, than we do that we're going to cause them problems and she mentioned it before the Blues game didn't he? he said they're going to be low on confidence Birmingham Southampton aren't going to be low on confidence but they've just conceded a 96th minute equaliser in their last away game that they've played at Watford so they're going to be a bit frustrated by that so can we use that to our advantage and going into the latter stages of the game there's naturally going to be a bit of frailty there by the fans and, and the players after just conceding a, a late goal so there's interesting factors in it mate and I think it will be quite an open game because it's two teams that like to play it's not direct football against passing football or someone that tries to use the channels it's ultimately two teams that literally try and dominate the ball and work their way into positions. Obviously, they do it a bit differently to what we do, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game of football to watch ultimately on a Wednesday night. And two teams that have that have quality in their teams, and that's ultimately what it will will come down to. Who has the most quality on the night will will win it for me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's an interesting one. They've um, they had 32 goals scored, 28 goals against. So both of those stats are relatively unspectacular. Um, in all honesty, they're not the best in front of goal in terms of the n- the number they've got obviously across the course of the season. Um, and defensively, again, they're not the the, the stingiest defense. Let's say they're not um, up there with the likes yeah. of Leicester or I think um, Leeds, who who are the best in terms of kind of you know obviously stopping chances and, and preventing goals. But you know they're certainly not down there with the the worst teams in the division in terms of the goals sure. they concede. And it's left their goal difference quite, I think they're, they're, pl- they're plus floor, four, sorry. So it's an interesting one for that perspective. Something to pick up on that, that you mentioned, for me, that's massively important. I don't think something that stood out, and we talked about it over the recent weeks, of where we've looked better um, or where we've done better results-wise is, is actually where we've had less possession in games. Yeah. Birmingham goes against that. I think that we, we had slightly more possession, but certainly weren't dominant from that perspective. It was certainly less than 60%. Um, <clears throat> so relatively tight game in terms of possession. But you look back at some of the games we've lost recently, a lot of those we were dominant on the ball. And then your likes of Millwall, we were um, completely the other end of the scale. We had less than, I think, 40% possession, but came away with a, a 3-0 win. Uh, the Plymouth game, I think we had slightly less possession, which you know makes you think, okay, it was fairly even. But Plymouth don't want to have the ball. So a game against them where we've actually got less than Plymouth at our stadium, I think signifies to me that there is a concerted effort to potentially, you know, allow the opposition to, to uh, well, not so much allow the opposition to have possession, but not take as long with the ball and try and find, you know, every tiny little... Uh, cracking the defence versus just go at pace and try and get the ball into the area and create mistakes and create... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because we've got the players who kind of um, lean into that with your, your Van Uix and Hadji Wright can be along those lines and Sakamoto, obviously. It kind of fits our game a bit better. So, But to your point in terms of um, getting a goal 
or, or taking our chances early in the game. I, th I think that's massively important if we're going to get anything from this game because it, in that respect, I think it's the anti-Birmingham in terms of, mm. look, we kind of had opportunities in the first half an hour, didn't really get anything, but I think it always felt as though we'd probably still get something, we'd get a goal at some stage and we probably weren't under that much realistic threat of getting or being made to pay for missed opportunities, right? And I yeah. don't think we've got that opportunity in this game. I think if we were to miss two or three chances in the first, let's say we get out to a really good start, miss two or three great chances in the first 15 minutes, I think we're in trouble. Um, I, I, I think they'll, they'll take control of the game. They will take their opportunities. They will make us pay. And that's where we're, we're going to struggle. So where I'm a little bit concerned is that is where we've struggled, right? We, we probably have created more chances than we've got in terms of um, yeah, and... turning them into goals. So would that be a concern for you in a game like this? Look, we know they're a great team, but anybody can beat anyone in this division, but that's that's potentially a concern, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at stats-wise stats as well, one thing we're actually doing very, very well at the minute is, is the, the Stoke game, the Millwall game, the Plymouth game and the Birmingham game, obviously take the Millwall, the, the Ipswich one out of it. In our four of our last five games, we've only actually given teams two clear-cut chances. One was against Stoke, which was a nil-nil, and one was Millwall. And I think that clear-cut chance they had, if I'm sure, was that vig, vig row for Stoke when he did like an overhead kick at the back post. I think that was what they classed as the clear-cut. So if you actually take that into the back, so that wasn't necessarily clear cut we've only yeah. actually given technically one clear cut chance against Millwall in our last four four out of five games so we're not actually giving teams many clear cut chances but if you put it into perspective we've played obviously Stoker on a terrible run of form now Plymouth, who aren't exactly the greatest team in in the division, uh, Millwall, obviously as well, who who were on a bad reign of, of form. Obviously, they had a new manager as well, and then obviously Blues, who aren't in a good run. So we're coming up against a different kettle of fish. And obviously, when we played Ipswich, we did give up clear cut chances, but that was away, and obviously they're flying. But we are probably going to have clear cut chances against us in this game because it's probably going to be physically impossible to to if put it this way if we reduce them to n n um, no clear cut chances in that game i will be very confident of our defensive ability moving forward because that would be some some going to to restrict alcaraz armstrong and Shea adams to zero to zero chances in a, in, in a game of championship football so um, we'd have to have a stormer to do that but they ultimately realistically are, are going to come and have chances aren't they so I don't probably see us keeping a clean sheet in this one. I think it will have to be that we're more effective in the box than they are. I think they're going to get chances. They're probably going to score against us ultimately, but it's how we react. If we go one nil up, how do we react to going one nil up? Do we take the game to them? Do we sit off? Because if we do that, then they get a goal. It's all in their favour. Or do we go after them at one nil and try and put it get a second? Or if we go one nil down, how do we react to that? Obviously, it, 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 all these factors matter in the game but ultimately we've got to have we've got to have the no fear factor against them we've obviously got to be cautious because we don't want to get slapped three or four nil at home that wouldn't be nice but we've got to go at them and we've got to seriously put them under pressure and remember that we are the home team ultimately and we do have the fans and if we make it a, a hostile environment for them and the fans get behind the the, the, the players and obviously we 
have an atmosphere similar to Birmingham on Friday, then it's going to be a difficult place for them to come and to come and get points. And I think that anything is possible. And we normally do, especially at home, show up against good teams. So I'm expecting us to show up on Wednesday, especially after a 2-0 win in a derby with confidence and have a very, very good game. And ultimately, as I said earlier on um, in the pod, you know, if, if we lose to really good goals, we just hold our hands up as fans and say, there's nothing you can do. They're a good team. That can happen, you know, and I'm not going to be mad at them. But if we walk away, giving them silly cheap goals or we've missed loads of chances and it's 1-0 that we've lost because of our chances we missed, that's when I will be frustrated and say, if we were a ruthless team, we'd have, we'd have talked out Southampton to the sword today. So that's what I just hope that it's not the case of when we play them on Wednesday. We don't leave there Wednesday evening slash night thinking, oh, only if we'd have just took that those three three clear chances we had, or if only we just defended our box better and didn't give stupid goals away against them. That is what I don't want to happen. And ultimately, like I said, if, if that doesn't happen, then if we lose, I'll have no, oh, I'm, I'm annoyed. Yeah. But yeah, I can I can live yeah. with it because they're a good team and there's they're a chance team, we are, yeah, yeah there was, there's a chance that we can lose the game. So yeah. ultimately, it, it all just depends on what we do. And we can't focus on them in this situation. We have to focus on us, what we can do to affect them and what we can do to hurt them. And we, are, we can get in positions, especially when they bomb on forward. If we can counter-attack them, we've got pace. If we can catch them and you get it out to Milan, tap, Hadji right and we're two against one down one side we we can hurt them massively we can put them in a lot of trouble and score goals so we've got to seriously utilize their areas where they'll have weaknesses which which we'll know they're where their weaknesses are and try and hit them and be and be efficient when we get the chance and take our chance and get that goal because anyone knows we go one nil up at home it's 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 a difficult to try and get a goal against us we've lost once at home all year and that was all well, all seasons this so far and that was against West Brom and ultimately in that game granted we didn't play well we had decisions go against us with an offside goal and we should have had a penalty in that game so yes we lost but we didn't get absolutely battered and we should have lost etc we had decisions go against us and we weren't in a good good reign of form. So we've only actually lost once all season at home. So it's not like they're going to be thinking, oh, well, this is an easy place to come to. It's not a good place to come to. People don't want to come to our ground. They know it's hard. So we've got to make it as hard for them as possible, ultimately, mate, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So with all that said, I'm feeling a, a, a confident air in your in your words here, but you're going to back that up with a score prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 us, actually. I'm going to be confident yeah. and give us a 2-1 victory. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I don't, yeah. that's no disrespect to Kitchen, etc. I think they can, and obviously they've shown they're capable, but this is a this is a different kettle of fish we're facing now in the next two games that we've got coming up. You know, yeah. these are Premier League teams that have just come down from the Premier League. It's going to be very, if we do, then I'll be really ecstatic with that. If we walk away with a win and a clean sheet on Wednesday, I would be very, very happy with that massively going into that Leeds game on the, on the Saturday. So, um, I'm going to go with a 2-1. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory. And hopefully, obviously, Matty will be back in involved. Obviously, even if he's only on the bench, it'll be nice to just have him on, on the bench as an option to come off in that type of game. Um, but I think he'll probably start start the same team, I think, on Wednesday as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just go again. So, 2-1, 2-1 to us. Nice. I, I'm guessing you've seen that we're on the pod, or are we on the pod next week? Because, you know, obviously, predicting a victory, you, you've got to assume that... Uh, yeah, yeah, we might have yeah. to change a few things around, right, to make sure we yeah, get. Yeah, we're gonna uh, six we're gonna, from this week. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll just we, if put it this We've way, got mate. The logins we, now. We don't need. Yeah, <laughs> if we uh, we'll, we'll hijack it, mate. If it comes, if we win on Wednesday, I will just text Dave and just say, "Look, mate, we, we've hijacked it now. You're not needed anymore. Me and Matt will run it. <laughs> you you sit you and go. listen. You fly out with Wardy. Fly out with Wardy on his travels. <laughs> go and join Wardy. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a plan. Well, we'll see what. Uh, what well, comes in a very tricky week for Coventry, but as uh, as Ross says, a lot to be positive around and certainly a lot of opportunities for us to still take something from what is a very tricky week for us. Uh, that's all we've got time for tonight. Thanks, Ross, as ever, for your time and your thoughts. And um, thanks to everybody for, for listening to us as ever. And a big thank you to our sponsors again at the Spy, Sky Blue Tavern and Dylan's Brewery. And as ever, if you'd like to get involved in any debates, please use the hashtag SBE podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.